2003, um, the United States launched an unprecedented, I, I, love, I always think of Cam when I, I use that word now, after, after last year's message, uh, an unprecedented offensive, um, military offensive in the Middle East. Uh, there's a lot of terminology that goes along with with that with that war. We'll stay away from the uh, the more um, hot phrases um, that have to do with that. But uh, but there was a, a phrase that summed up our intent in that, uh, and and we've all come to know the phrase shock and awe, right? Unprecedented. It had, it had never been done before, and I suppose that in, in some ways the technology was different. Uh, but but there's really not really any different uh, than than any other uh, great military uh, uh, attempt. Um, really, it wasn't any different than the the rolling thunder uh, of Vietnam, uh, an attempt to overwhelm with with with. The, the carpet bombing. Right? It really wasn't any different, if you think about it, than the Blitzkrieg, World War II. I can't imagine what it would have been like in the 1400s uh, to, to think you're safe inside of a, an impregnable walls of a city in Istanbul uh, and, and someone rolls out the first cannon in the history of the world <laughs> and, and takes your castle apart. Right? Well, what was that like? Just the, the massive shock and awe. Like, what are we doing? What, what is there? The exploding balls are being shot at. I mean, the, this has not been done before. Uh, and, and all of warfare, I think, has, has been this, this attempt to overwhelm and, and, and scare the enemy with things that they've, they've, not, they've not been, they just never witnessed before. We're talking about Jesus. And uh, in this series, and, and what he did on this on this earth, and of course, Jesus didn't engage in typical warfare. Uh, he kind of had to tell his disciples, "We don't do that." We talked about Malchus uh, recently, and, and uh, no, Peter, we don't do that. And if you were, I'd, I'd prefer you had better aim, <laughs> you know, than than taking off a person's ear. Uh, but but we don't fight like that. And uh, but but Jesus came. And we're looking at not the things that Jesus said so much as the things that Jesus did that, that impacted people. We're looking at some things this week uh, that shocked people and amazed them uh, to, to no end. Jesus, of course, employs different methods than uh, to overwhelm his enemies. Than, than we would expect, as we say. And of course, this week, today, the world remembers the greatest of them, uh, the death and resurrection. So we're going to be looking at a, uh, some, some events uh, surrounding that, that, I mean, we could pick any events that, that he did and conducted. They, they were all amazing. They were all uh, shocking. Sometimes Jesus had to shock people. We we think of the nice things, but but Jesus had to shock people sometimes to 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 get a reaction. Um, Jesus was not just a, a nice guy coming to teach some nice lessons. Uh, Jesus was not a, a a three and a half year guest lecturer. Uh, he did a lot of speaking. 
And, and his, sometimes the things he taught were shocking. <laughs> and, um, no, and they were, they would awe people. The, the, truly. I mean, how many times did, did people, the, the stories, uh, okay, go arrest him. And they come back, well, where is he? You didn't bring him back. Yeah, but you didn't hear him talk. Right? Like, we just we kind of got caught up in what he was saying. You were supposed to go arrest him. Yeah, but he's amazing to listen to. He, he was shocking and awe to, to, to listen to, but, but we're, we're looking at events surrounding his death as people just look and observe what Jesus did, some things that were uh, shocking. Because it wasn't, as we say, it wasn't just his, his thoughts that were important. But um, we kind of led up to the, the crucifixion and the, the death of Christ, talking about Malchus. And so we're, we're going to be focusing on, on that, that portion that this, this week in, uh, of Jesus' life uh, leading up to his death and resurrection. What made, if you think about this, we, we think of the death and resurrection as the crowning moment, certainly. What made it the public spectacle that it was? In other words, something about Christ. Christ if, if Christ would have just come here and like, okay, we've got to check off the list. I've got to die here and, uh, and, and raise. And, and Who would have been there to watch it? No one would have been there to watch it. It would have happened in the, some corner of the darkness. But Jesus needed to shock and awe people. So, so his whole ministry was this attracting people to him. And, and you had to have an opinion on Jesus. You can't, there's some things that you have to have an opinion on. What's your opinion on this, right? You just can't go without an opinion on it. Some things people don't really care. Uh, but, but some things you just, you weren't going to get away in that day and age without having an opinion on Christ. He was such a public figure. You had to come down somewhere. And so Jesus lives and his whole life to, to bring people to this one moment to come, where are you at? And, and, and then wait three days and we'll see where, I'll, I'll check up on you where you're still at. Uh, this, this great moment. And so I want to turn to Matthew chapter 21. I'm going to we'll look at the first of three things here uh, at this point in his life. Matthew chapter 21. And we're going to begin in verse 12. <clears throat> Matthew 21, beginning in verse 12, going through verse 21. He says, Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and said to him, Don't you hear what they're saying? And Caesar said, Oh, yes, I have. Uh, have you not read? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. And then he left them and went out of the city and lodged there in the morning. As he was hungry, he returned to the city and seeing a fig tree by the road, he came and found nothing on it but leaves. And he said, let no fruit grow on you ever again. And immediately the fig tree withered. And the disciples saw it. They marveled and said, how did the fig tree wither away so soon? And Jesus said, surely I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will 
Not only do what was done to the fig tree, but you'll say to this mountain, be moved and cast into the sea, and it will be done. Whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. And we focus on some of the teachings around this moment, don't we? But the, the shock and the awe. You, if you have a preconceived idea of Jesus, that he opens kind of his ministry and he closes his ministry with two similar events. This going into the temple, it, it, there are two events in his life that, that stand out. Not just because they're the same basic thing that he does, but they, they seem so out of sync with our picture of Jesus. I mean, if someone came in and to the church building and just started overturning stuff and throwing stuff around, we would kind of, you know, we'd have some people. I got some words to say about this. <laughs> what, what, what are you doing? But to, to go into the temple, which is way more holy to them than the church building is to us, and to start tossing stuff. That doesn't fit my picture of Jesus. Jesus is a nice teacher. That's shocking. And Jesus has to grab some attention. And so we look at his passion, first of all. His passion was shocking. And he comes to the end of this and he's teaching, listen, you're going to do similar things. You're going to be shocking to people. I need people who are willing to be shocking to generate some awe, not in themselves, but passion for the things of God. And we, we talked about this a little bit with David. We, we saw David walk in and how passionate he was for the things of God, for the name of God. And Jesus is passionate about reverence for God. They have turned the temple into a place for merchandise. Uh, that that means some things. What are they doing? Uh, so so one we probably discussed this before, but he talks about a couple of things happening here. He talks about money changing, and and he talks about this merchandising, this selling the pigeons. So so they were doing a couple of things. Um, and and you'll get the reference why he's so upset. So so uh, when you came to the temple uh, to to present your offering, and here this is Passover week, uh, you had to have an animal without spot or blemish. Okay, and and so what they were doing was they were saying, um, oh, they were finding some small little defect like if you if you look over here you see this this is not we better confiscate this we're going to confiscate this because this is not an acceptable thing we do have some things for you to to purchase uh for the offering because we want to make sure now you go through and you go through the line you bring your sacrifice and you do that that pigeon that they or whatever the lamb that they just confiscated 20 people down the row is going to be sold to them. They're making 100% profit. And it's the significant about the pigeon. What was a pigeon? You know what a pigeon was? Have we seen pigeons offered in the temple before? Pigeons were offered 
When Jesus was presented at the temple, it was a poor person's offering. I, I can't afford a lamb. Okay, we have a, Jesus has a special thing. He says, listen, just bring me a pigeon. Just bring a pigeon. That'll be good. And it's a clean animal. Just bring a pigeon. I, I, I grew up in Worcester, Massachusetts. Pigeons I'd never thought of as a clean animal, but apparently they are. We had a bridge called the Pigeon Bridge. If I had to go downtown, I had to walk over underneath that thing. It was a train bridge. Oh, so nasty. The Pigeon Bridge. Uh, and, and, and so they're, they're stealing from poor people. You, you get how upset Jesus, Jesus gets hot. And they're doing this in the name of the sacrifice. And they're, they're defiling the temple by doing this. He gets really angry. Oh, but now we, we enter into this discussion about the money changes. Because now their money changes. We've talked about uh, before about the, the, the Sadducees and uh, some of the traditions they had. And one of the traditions that they had was the temple tax, uh, you couldn't pay with Roman money. The Roman money had a coin. Uh, it was a coin with a person's image on it. And, and from long before Christ, they had developed a tradition that money with a coin was kind of like an idol. And we can't have idols in the temple that defiles the temple. So they had a, their own temple money that, that it might have had a picture, but it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, something, it was something religious. And that wasn't an image of a person. So you had to get the special temple coins. Well, you can, you can just see where this is going, can't you? Uh, I, I lived, uh, when, when, lived in Ukraine. Uh, so uh, right at the very end of my block was the train station. It was like almost as you were going out of town. Then you go down to get, uh, you go to get tickets to do to, to some place or other, and you're there, and you're it's like, ah, man, I didn't bring I didn't bring enough money. So so you you're gonna change money. You have dollars. You need to change to oh man, the the the. The exchange rate there was the worst in town. The worst exchange rate in town because they had me. I'm like, a, 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 I'm like not near anything. There are no exchanges. I have to walk like, you know, I have to walk like a half a mile. I didn't have a car. I have to walk like a half a mile to go. I'm like, ah. For three or four or five percent. So they, they got, every time I went to the train, oh, forgot. 5% difference. I can guarantee you the same thing is going on here. Because this is who the people are. These money changes. Like, they've got the only coins in town. They're not going to give you a good exchange rate. Especially when we look at the other things that they're doing. And he gets really, really hot. And you can imagine how stunned people were. You can imagine how many people were there like wishing. We've all been driving down the road and we see the guy fly past and you're like, just once I want to see red lights pop out of somewhere. Yes! Right? Ah! Oh, I've wanted to see that so bad. I've never seen it. Never happens. How many people have come to the temple 
How many of these poor people, oh, I just want to see someone do this, and they get it. Today of all days, it's been three and a half years, so someone else has seen it. And they get validated. This gets, this, someone starts throwing stuff. Man, what a great moment that must have been. Yes, I've wanted to see that. And so it stunned people. Complaints always start with, somebody should, you know what somebody should do, somebody should do that, but no one ever does it. A lot of people came into the temple thinking, someone really needs to start throwing stuff around. No one ever did it until Jesus Because why? Because I don't want to get crucified. Jesus was willing to get crucified. To shock and awe people in his passion for God. Not just because he wanted to throw stuff, but because he wanted to teach reverence for God's things. But he doesn't just show passion for God, he shows passion for people. As we talked about the the poverty that was being taken advantage of. That got Christ hot. To see people taken advantage of like this by God's people, the men of the cloth. Well, I want to turn to another event as we look at this week. Mark chapter 15. And verse 1 through 5. Immediately in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and the whole council. They bound Jesus, led him away, and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered and said to them, As you say. And the chief priests accused him of many things, and he said, Nothing. And Pilate asked him again, said, don't you, Why don't you answer anything? See how many things they are testifying against you. But Jesus answered, nothing. So that Pilate marveled. What self-control. This does not look like the same guy that a week ago was flipping tables. Now he's in front of everyone and he's not saying anything. Amazing. That's shocking. It's shocking to Pilate. Like, we're so used to this story that we go, oh, yes, and he answered nothing. He's about to be crucified. If someone holds a gun to my head and is visibly looking like they're going to do it, I'm going to be crying like a baby. I'm going to be begging, pleading, I'll do anything. I'm going to lose control of all of it. What do you want? Take anything. I'm not going to be in control. And and to, to know that what he's going to be going through is as gruesome as it is. 
it, it's not a pretty picture. If you've seen the Passion of the Christ, you've only seen a little bit of it. That doesn't even do it justice. And that, that was shocking to the world to see a movie like that. Still shocking. A lot of people won't watch it. I, I, I saw it in the theater, and, and I saw a bunch, of, a bunch of kids came in, teenagers, and they started heckling. They were hecklers. They left about five minutes into it. Ten minutes. They couldn't hack it. They thought they were in for something else. It was shocking to them. They wanted no part of it. And Jesus, knowing what he's going to go through, says nothing to get out of it. In fact, that's the deal. How many times has the, the apostles, they, they, they've been with them, and, and like we talked about, we, we came uh, to arrest them, and he just started talking. How many times was he in the temple and, uh, and he just started saying something and they're like, they just uh, they dropped their stone, they did whatever, and they start walking away because they don't have an answer. They, like this, this guy, this one moment, he had to not talk because if he opened his mouth, if Jesus opens his mouth, he's going free. <laughs> That's the kind of ability he had to talk to people. He could have talked his way right out of it with Pilate, right out of it with Herod, right out of it with anybody. He could have done that in the room, in the trial, with all these illegal things. He could have done it right then and there. He had that capability and he had done it time and time and time again. Jesus had to be quiet if he was going to be crucified and save the world. And so he goes, from, he goes from shocking here to shocking the other way. Like, what are you doing? They're, they're saying all sorts of things that are probably going to get you killed if you don't say something. And so he amazes Pilate. It would have been good if he amazed Pilate in a good way. Or if he amazed him enough. About a year or so after this, it's believed that Pilate commits suicide. Pilate's wife said, listen, don't have anything to do with this guy. It's not good. Just get rid of this case or whatever. But it has an effect on observers like this first time. What do we, we see after the first time we saw the lame and the blind come to Jesus after he throws the, the stuff in the temple. It, it, it's done not just for the people that are, he's directing things at, but for those who observe. Fifty days after this, Peter's going to stand up and say, you crucified this guy. How many people were in that crowd from 50 days earlier? Uh, probably a good portion of them. Probably a good portion of those were, were people who watched Jesus not answer anything. What self-control. And were impacted by that, even if they didn't change at that moment. Still in the back of their mind. And so Jesus goes to the cross and Jesus does all this stuff to shock them. 
so that it can be useful later. Not necessarily at that moment. And maybe that's what got him through this moment. Maybe that's what kept him with his mouth closed. Like, there's a guy, I can see third row back on the left. He's going to be one of the people that responds to Peter. I don't know how he got through that. I can't, I can't comprehend that moment. It was certainly shocking. The last one, Luke chapter 23. Verse 39. Luke 23, beginning in verse uh, 39, going through 43. One of the criminals was hanged there, blasphemed them, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuked him, saying, Don't you even fear God, saying that you are under the same condemnation? We are being punished justly because we are just receiving what we deserve. This man has done nothing wrong. And he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to, me, to you that you will be with me in paradise. And I want to talk about forgiveness. There's an overriding of yourself. We saw Jesus, excuse me, overcome emotional pain. And um, today we're really focusing on kind of the, the stuff that surrounds his physical pain. Jesus is under intense physical pain. I think I've probably read from the Journal of American Medical Association at some point in time. One person described it as a symphony of pain. All of the different things that he would be experiencing as a result of the different elements of a scourging and a crucifixion. It was designed to get the maximum amount of pain out of a death as could be gotten to make you suffer for what you did and to make people not want to do whatever it was that you did. Well, my response to pain is I can't think straight. Yesterday morning I had a migraine. I get those every once in a while. So I went back to bed because I don't think straight. I can't function. I had a project I was supposed to be working on. I'm like, well, there's two hours out of my day because I'm going to have to take a nap. I just barely got up and I can't even think. That, that's a migraine. <laughs> that's how I am with pain. Maybe some of you are like, I eh, have migraines, I can work through them. All right, that's fine. I got a low threshold, I understand that. But, but I'm, I'm looking at Jesus in this moment, and I can tell you that him and me are different. I know that's not shocking to anybody. Of, of all the things that are shocking, that's not one of them. 
I'm not thinking about this guy over here in my pain. I've got a little bit of my own problems if you don't, haven't been looking. I really don't care about your personal problems. You, got, you had enough of your life to figure this out. You're hanging there for a reason. Deal with it. That's my response. I mean, if you interrupt me when I have a migraine, I, I'm really short with you. Like, I, I'm not really being rude to you. I just don't want to talk to you. <laughs> Sorry. And to find yourself with dislocated body parts. And just the list of things that he's experiencing. I can't imagine that level of pain. How shocking it must have been to see Jesus forgive somebody who simply doesn't deserve it. I wonder if that's one of the things that, that this soldier at the foot of the cross goes, that, that was the Son of God. This guy was not like other people. I, I've been at the foot of the cross for a lot of people. Hundreds of people. I've watched this. This person did not do what anybody else in the history of the cross did. To forgive somebody next to them who was way worse than them. Shocking. Shocking. And we excuse lack of forgiveness. We have such a small level of things that... Well, I don't have to forgive because of this. And we excuse it. I got no excuse. No excuse. This person, I mean, think of the things that Jesus could have thought. I mean, Jesus is on the cross for sin. There's me, I'm thinking, you're the reason I'm up here. At least a small part of it. <laughs> Why should I forgive you? But then again, Jesus thinks, this is the reason that I'm up here. This is the reason. Jesus had the ability to prevent this person from going to heaven. Do you realize that? I mean, think about this moment. <clears throat> Jesus hasn't risen yet. We're here on Resurrection Sunday to remember the resurrection. But the resurrection hasn't happened yet. It is the resurrection which gives, as we pointed out, which gives the crucifixion its meaning. We, we talk about baptism. Romans 6 connects baptism to the resurrection. Well, that's not something that's going to happen for a couple of days. What is this man's means of forgiveness then, at this point in time? 
He needs to present an offering in the temple. That's his means of forgiveness. That's going to be hard for him to arrange. Isn't it? Now, Jesus can't break the law. Right? Jesus can't go around just, I don't, I'm just going to override the law here. The Bible says, I can't do it. I can't break the law. Jesus didn't break the Sabbath. Right? People thought he broke the Sabbath, but he never broke the Sabbath. He broke the traditions of the elders. He can't break the law. This man has to offer a sacrifice. It's kind of a problem for Jesus, isn't it? No, no, it's not. No, it's not. See, Jesus is going to die first. So, so this man kind of gets. We, we always, I've always wondered what happens because Jesus doesn't rise for three days, right? and so, so we know at at Jesus' death the the temple veil is rent, right? That's the one. So, so the Old Testament is done, and we've got this this period in here. Where it's just kind of like um, we're between covenants here. And Jesus says, well, I'm going to go first. Then I can play around with the loopholes. Right? Jesus is kind of smart that way. So Jesus plays around with some loopholes for this guy. But he could have prevented him. He could have prevented him. He goes, I'm not forgiving you. And you've got nothing you can do about it. The things that we do, thinking that we're preventing somebody from, from forgiveness. Well, I'm not going to forgive you. What are you preventing? Well, that would have been somebody that would not be in heaven for an eternity with Christ. He would have been hurting himself not to forgive. We, we think that we're, we're doing some, I'm, I'm getting back at somebody, they, they hurt me and I'm, I'm not going to forgive them. Well, you're hurting yourself because that would just be a relationship that would have been mended and you could have a good relationship with the person. You're hurting yourself. Why would you do that? To show them? Shocking. What Christ will do. Genuine and passionate Shows of our faith are impressive to people. And you might not notice it right away. You might never see it. Jesus was gone from this planet before, before those people returned from their thought process to obey Peter. Um, Jesus knew it was going to happen, but, but sometimes you're not around to see that happen. The secret to doing something that's awe-inspiring, something shocking, is to do what Jesus did. And all of these things is to do things that are not natural. It's not natural to forgive. It causes me pain. It's frustrating. Because I, I kind of want to get mine. It is not natural for me to shut up which I'm going to do in a couple of minutes. It's not natural. And Jesus shuts up. He's a guy who came here for three years and talked a lot. And in certain moments, he would just shut up. Not natural. And when he did, it was shocking. 
It's not natural for me to get passionate and display things. Unless I'm the one benefiting. Oh, then I've got plenty of passion. If I'm going to benefit from something, I'll get all upset. I'll show everybody. But to, to, to get upset on behalf of other people is not natural for me. I just kind of swallow it and let it slide. Keep your head down low. Not natural. Jesus does things that are not natural. Look for something that's not natural this week or next week. A way to show your passion for God and for other people. Watch people get shocked. And they may not say it for a long time. They might not say it. You'd be surprised what people will say years later, months later. There's this one time. I've had that happen. Well, I didn't know. It actually was only like a week later. But it's like, wow, I didn't know that that impacted you. I didn't know I did anything, actually. We ended last week by saying, look for opportunities. Don't wait for opportunities. Don't ask for God to show you opportunities. Or give you But well, it really wasn't that specific. But those are the things to look for. Look for something where you can forgive. Look for something where you can extend a passion on behalf of somebody. Those are some specifics. Those are things that Jesus did that impacted people right then and there. Who had been waiting so long to see it. And you do not know that, that you're the person, that someone, that you're in a position to show passion for Christ, for his reverence, that people have been waiting a long time to see. You could be the demonstration of that. 